0: Or, if you want to ever go deeper in your sales leadership journey, I'm here for you. I know just how challenging sales leadership can be. I've helped companies get off the ground and hit their first million in ARR, and I've led large teams with thousands of sales reps doing billions in new business each year. I've literally sat in almost every single sales leadership role, and I'm here to help. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, first-time VP of sales, or a senior seasoned sales leadership executive, we're all facing new challenges right now, and if you want someone to talk shop with, I've got you. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen, and remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Dale Zwyszynski, Senior Vice President of Sales for North America for SmartAction. SmartAction is one of the leading AI-powered virtual agent solutions for contact centers around the world. Dale's team is growing fast as they help contact centers create a better experience for their customers. Dale has been in the sales game for a long time. I first met him when he sold something to a company I was working at. I was impressed with him during that experience, and I have followed his career ever since. I love his approach to sales and sales leadership. He's held sales leadership roles with some of the biggest, most iconic sales organizations, and he's also played key roles in helping young, high-growth organizations achieve really impressive results. He's a terrific leader and someone I've been wanting to get on the show for quite a while because of this really unique breadth that he has. Dale is someone you would definitely want to connect with and follow, and I am pumped to have him join us on the show today And what I know will be a really action-oriented conversation. Dale, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Rob. It's been a, it's been a little bit of time trying to get this all worked out, but I'm uh, glad we were able to get the time put together. Yeah, you and me
0: both. I, I, I've been a fan of what you're doing uh, over at Smart Action for a while. Uh, watched your career before that. You, you've done a lot of good things in sales, and you're part of a really interesting group now. Uh, for our listeners that may be just getting to know you, can you start by just introducing Smart Action and, and, and what you do uh, for the customers that you serve?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We are, uh, so I am the SVP of sales at Smart Action, and what we do is conversational AI in the contact center. So we are creating virtual agents in the voice and digital channels to serve clients coming in and uh, helping them get to where they need. Most people want new channels today, or they want channel of choice. And so Smart Action enables those organizations such as AAA and DSW and Choice Hotels to be able to utilize virtual agents to serve their clients.
0: Nice. How long have you been with them now?
1: been there for two years and seven months yeah you know, i was gonna say it seems office.
0: like you're coming up on about three years i remember well, when you made the move you you've got good experience you've worked at the large org you've worked with these high growth org and that's one of the reasons i i'm so excited to have you is your perspective is one where you've seen what it takes to win in a lot of different organizations is it probably fair to say that dale
1: yeah definitely it, you know it's interesting most people go from like the big orgs into maybe a startup org like an oracle to a small org i've kind of started in the the small org done a bunch of startups ended up going to oracle and now realize that that's not really for me and back into the smaller org so um my 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 journey has been a little different than most
0: no, I like it. And that's, that's one of the reasons that I, I'm excited to have you because we're going to talk about stuff. The, the perspective you have for this conversation we're going to have is going to be one of our better ones, I think. And so before we do that, I always like to get people to share just a tiny bit of their story, not, you know, kind of a high level. How'd you fall into sales? And, and ultimately, how did that lead you to where you are a smart action right now?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a funny story. So um, when, I, when I was coming out of college, I knew I wanted to do something in business but I ended up doing implementation work. I was a coder. I wrote Pascal. If you remember that language, I do remember
0: you're dating yourself,
1: man. Back in the day, man, (laughs) the the old green screens. And, um, but I, I was playing varsity soccer, um, in my undergrad. And so I couldn't be in the VAX and I couldn't be in the, the lab so much. And I was getting kind of bored of just being without in front of people. So, um, when I came out, I did some implementation work, um, for some companies and, I remember it's an exact time that I can remember that I said I was going to get into sales. It was 1999, just before the Y2K bug was happening. And I was doing an implementation in in Manhattan in New York and um, doing a bunch of work. And I had a good relationship with the project manager. We were going back and forth and she was asking for stuff. And I said, you know what, I can definitely help you. I, you know, we can do this, but it's probably going to cost you more money. And she's like, that's not what my salesperson told me. And, we would go back and forth and she was like a tough New York, you know, tell it how it is. And she basically told me, I never want to see my salesperson in this office ever again. I'll take him out. And so at that point I thought there's no way people can literally like you can't survive as a business if you don't have happy customers. Now this is a different day day and time, but I, I thought at that point, like I, when I get into sales, I will never do that to my customers and so mm. that was kind of the genesis of it. I kind of went back and forth, I did operations still, did sales engineering, and then um, and went through a couple of startup companies, got bought out a couple of times and then when I went to Fair Isaac Corporation, FICO as a sales engineer, and i at that point I was kind of, I felt as a salesperson I got sick of making my salesperson money. And I was like, I wanna make I feel like I'm doing all the sales as a sales engineer. Right. Leave me to say there's a lot of other stuff that happens in the sales world that, that sales engineers don't understand. But I went up to the the head of sales at Fair Isaac and I said, Hey, Bill, I wanna get into sales and he goes, I think you can do it. He goes, I'm gonna throw you into the deep end of the pool and you're either gonna sink or swim and that's it. That was the that was kind of how it happened. And then um, you know, I got into some sales leadership stuff. I I think unfortunately a lot of sales leaders are really good salespeople that get escalated into a leadership position, but they don't get the right education or the right training or the right coaching to be a good leader. And so, um, I'm on a mission to, to help, you know, sales leaders and, and salespeople kind of come together and, and make a, a new evolution through the sales process.
0: So I, I, am so glad you finished with that Dale, because that's really what I want to focus our time on is this concept, this concept of a sales evolution. In the last, some of our last few episodes, I've been talking about something. I think you probably, maybe you know, maybe you don't, Jim Dickey is is a guy that a lot of Mm -hmm. people follow. I know Jim, yep. Good friend. I think he's a follow everybody should have if you're going to be in sales. He said to me once in a conversation, and I've said it on the show, so for our listeners, sorry, I just haven't said it to you. In revolutions, people die, right? In in revolutions, people die. You know, they draw lines in the sand and they hope it's going to be here, there, wherever. But in evolutions, people adapt, they change, and then they thrive, and you end up with a superior species somehow. And so he's like, organizations need to understand the concept of evolutions and avoid the concept of revolutions. And I think that's a pretty good way of looking where we are right now, right? Some people are trying to turn it into a revolution. I want to get it back to some way here. Smart leaders are saying, no, it's time for an evolution, and the first ones to adapt are going to have new first mover advantages. Can you talk a little bit about the sales world and how you see it kind of on its head right now. And then I want to start tying it back to that mission you said you're on for leader education and and helping leaders and salespeople kind of come together.
1: Yeah. Um, I've had this thought for a while, and and now I think it's just accelerating so much faster with where we are in this world and in the revolution evolution world that people are kind of having to struggle with. Um, you know, back in, when I was thinking about it back in 99 or in through the the process, like the salespeople had all the power in the sales process. Like they were giving the information, they were pushing it to the buyer, the buyer needed them. And then, you know, in the last five, eight years ish, you know, the, the, the pendulum has swung and now the buyer has more of the power. And so the buy they don't really need the information from the salesperson, but yet we're still selling. Like we, we are pushing this information to the buyer versus creating such a great value proposition or vacuum that people are wanting our product and they're pulling into it. Um, I, I, Why do you I love... think that
0: is? Why do you, you know that that push versus pull mentality? I, I I think makes sense. You got several thousand people listening to us right now doing whatever they're doing, and uh, and I want to push pause on that, Dale. I think that concept of you're right. I mean, salespeople they push and I don't have to go to any farther than my inbox and my email from the things people are trying to sell me today. Right. And
1: uh, let let alone (laughs) my email,
0: my, my voicemails, I mean.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, this concept came up when I was having a conversation with a mentor of mine, we were kind of going through this as we were talking through it. Um, You know, when, when you have a really good product or a really good value proposition that you push out there, people will go find it like if there's a business problem people are going to go find it yes you need marketing yes you need some push of the content yes you need to derive or, or expand on the value but if you have to push it all the time like if you have to just push it down people's throats and they don't they can't get it very simply then you're not really selling you're just pushing it on people if, if someone needs something and there was an example, a really simple example that uh, the gentleman and I were talking about was, you know, if if there's people that need your, um, their driveways paved, and you have a whole neighborhood that needs the driveways paved, and a guy comes around and gives some good deal on all the driveways, and you're like, hey, you know what, I'm not a paver, but I can, I can do this myself, so you go to Home Depot, you get all the stuff, and you go start paving it, and then, like, everyone else's is done, and, like, halfway through it you're like this is harder than I thought it was this be. sucks
0: I mean, yeah
1: <laughs> you're sweating and you're you know I live down in Florida so the humidity is hot and so you call the, the the paving guy back up and say like can you come finish this off and so the guy comes and finishes it in like half a day and so you need like you know you need him and so he's already derived the values are articulated that value to you I think that's where we struggle in a lot of places and there's so much information that is that sounds the same in the SaaS world so i can only articulate it more into the SaaS world and where i live you know a lot of people will put in stuff about chatbots and digital assistants and all these things and it's just so much noise that yes the buyer is getting all the information but can they assimilate your stuff against everybody else's stuff to such a point where they're like i want that more than i want anything else mm.
0: So I'm thinking now of our listeners, I'm a head, I'm a sales leader. I always will be. And you are too. So I, I, I'm i now sitting, I want our listeners that are listening to you right now to start self assessing. know, is my team pushing, or is my team like in more of a pull environment? Any, any kind of thoughts you have on how you move from push to pull or how do you self assess if you are any kind of top of mind things that you would say, these are things to either look to do, or these are things to watch out for. Right. Any kind yeah. of
1: stuff like that? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I would say you, if you have really good raving fan customers, like you have a good product, you have raving fans, they can help you articulate your message probably better than you can. So asking your customers, how did they find your product? Why did they find your product? Or if you have a, someone that comes in on an inbound lead, like how did you find us? Why did you find us? What were you searching for? Some of those basic questions, if you feel comfortable with them, Yeah. Because if they're coming inbound, there's a reason why they came inbound. And so I look at it as if I can get more inbound leads happening, how can I capture those more than pushing on the outbound? Because the push is like you're getting stuff through automation in like an outreach or a sales loft. And, you know, you're getting these, these robocalls or you're getting texts or you're getting videos or people are, you know, LinkedIn is so spammy nowadays. It's, you know, you get all the spam on LinkedIn and it's like,
0: Totally agree. We've talked about that. I think that has lost a lot of its value recently.
1: Tons of value. And, and you know, where, and, and I know we'll go down this path, but these micro communities are popping up. And I think from a sales perspective, like you create these, these micro communities, these pods. And I think if you can articulate your value in these pods properly, not as a, like a selling up proposition, but just, you know, getting to know people, getting into conversations, finding other leaders. Um, these micro communities can actually help you grow your business. And I think it's an untapped market if it's done well. I like it. So we will get to micro
0: communities. I want to get to that in a little bit. Because, but I like this new banner. I wasn't expecting to talk about this. This idea of pull versus push. And, and how much of that is cultural in your organization?
1: Is, is, is any of that cultural? I think, yeah, I think a lot of it's cultural. I think a lot of it comes from the marketing side of the world. Like um, marketing and sales, while we've talked about this for a long time coming together and kind of like being these friends, I I still think there's like this, I have an MQL and why aren't you getting as many leads? And like, there's this, there's, there's this back and forth that happens all the time. And so I think it is cultural and I think marketing should be pushing the message. But I think if you create, a too too much of a complicated message, then I think it's really hard for people to digest. So I always say, can you articulate your value proposition in five words or less, Ooh. or seven words, or you know something that's not a run-on sentence? And so you know we gen- you know at Smart Action we have virtual agents that um, for for contact centers. And so if someone's interested in virtual agents for contact centers, they're going to ask you next question. You know what kind of virtual agent is it bot? is it digital is it voice like allow the customer to start coming back to you and ask additional questions
0: i like that that's that's i think really good you made a comment that i thought was really interesting relative to automation um you said that automation kind of by definition is push and um where do you think the role of automation is right now especially in this environment where you said it best you haven 't said it on the show, but you said it to me prior to this. I, I want to say it here and give you credit for it. The sales world is on its head right now, man, and uh where do you think automation fits into that? Automation you know has played a role and and now there's a lot of people questioning it. You brought it up i 'd like to sit on it for a minute. Any thoughts around that
1: yeah, I think it I think it does play a role. I think you have a role in it, but I think it's got to be um, done a little bit more more aligned with the value proposition, the marketing that you're pushing out. And I don't think it can be such a broad, um, such a broad spray. I think it's got to be more ABM like, and you can still do some automation because it's very difficult when, when you and I were growing up and we were carrying bags, you know, we had no automation. So it was no, like, it
0: was a phone book and, a, and a, like a, like a cord phone that was attached that's to the it. wall.
1: That's, <laughs> it. that's it, man. And and you, you know, you had to articulate value over the phone and, at that point you it, that sales world is a push because they couldn't get the information. Like they needed no one, us, right? There's no place to go get the data. And so they really did need us. And so now, you know, I say sales, I usually say marketing, but sales and marketing usually kill every good thing. Like LinkedIn's dead emails, dead, like all these things that we've done back in the day, if you were the first one to do email, and you got uh, such a high, you know, conversion rate, you would keep going with email, but we just killed it because we, we overuse it. And so I think we're just overusing automation right now. We're overusing automation in LinkedIn. We're overusing automation in email. We're auto- Now you're going to start getting automation through SMS and it's like, okay, st- let's stop the automation piece. Um, one of the things, and this is, you can't do this in every business, right? Because if you're going down market and it's a transactional sale you got to be aware of what your your target market is but at oracle i used to where i would get more value with my team was sending lumpy mail and so you know send out something from the u.s post office because yep. people weren't getting stuff in the mail so we would send out you know mugs from their own mater and you know you just send out stuff where people would actually open it and they appreciated it and then they would, you'd almost guilt them into taking a phone call, but um, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that you're probably right. And so I'm seeing that automation still has a place, but it's not, it's not just templated automation. I I think that you got to find ways to make sure that you're still finding ways to personalize. I think personalization is more important than ever before. I, I don't think people will be patient for you to just like, assume that all people are created equal and that, at least that's what I'm seeing. You, what, what What is that role for you? Is it, how important is personalization to you and what you're doing?
1: Um, I think it's super important. Um, the contact center world is they're a little skittish. So, you know, the other thing is you give free content, free content, free content, and then you ask for an email. So it's like the old Gary V jab, 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 right, jab. right hook. Yeah. Um, and, but I think as soon as you're asking for something, people get a little leery, especially in the contact center space. Um, so our our group is a little leery on it. And that's why I think, once again, if you have raving fans or you have someone that you can point people to or, you know, and, and you can't burn them out, right? So you have to have multiple good customers with multiple good experiences with your product. So because what ends up happening a lot, especially in the startup world, is you'll get one or two good customers and you'll leverage them for, like, every conversation. And then, like, you're burning people out. And so if you have a really good product and you're delivering value, you don't, like, this is the other part of sales that has drive, driven me insane for a long period of time. If you say you're going to derive value, you better damn well derive value and you better be able to measure it. Like a year later, do you, did you derive value? So as smart action, we'll build an ROI within the sales process, ROI calculators and we'll bring in the customers and, and then we pass it to our customer success team and They better well be able to figure out with the customer, how do we measure to the ROI that we're talking about? Because usually we're talking about half a million, three quarters of a million um, dollar ROI on an annualized basis. And so, you know, are we reducing the OPEX costs? Are we pushing that? But then you have to measure it. Like it's not enough to say it in the sales process.
0: I want to go back to something else you said, because this goes to what you were saying with value. So sometimes you said, if you're going to say you're going to make value, you damn, well, damn well better be able to do it and you better be able to measure it. So, so I agree. That's a big deal. And I think there's only a couple ways you can create value for someone. I'm really interested in something else, how we blend something you said earlier to what you just said now. So if it's so important, how in the hell do you get it down to a five to seven word value proposition? I think you're right. I like I suck at it. It's something that I continue. Like a good friend of mine, uh, a fan of the show that I think you 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 would know. He he sat in my office a couple years ago when he was taking an interest in my company, and uh, he's like, "I still don't know what you do, Rob," and um, and I'm like, "Come on, you know what we do." He's like, "No, I really don't know what you do," and literally we spent the better part of a day with him challenging me on what we did, trying to get me to get it down to that five to seven words, and what I thought was clear. Turns out that somebody wasn't cleared. Here's another one I'll I'll tell you. I'll I'll, I'll like, you got to coach me. You're going to coach Jepson now, okay? And uh, (laughs) I I, I had a large company. You would know exactly who this is. In fact, uh, this person's office is fairly close to where you are in Florida. Um, We had a deal that was really close to getting done, and then it stalled when COVID hit. I mean, uh, it's easy to make an excuse, but I'm trying to stay close to him, trying to help my sales team get it going. I sent him what I thought was a really great message kind of from the quote unquote CEO, right? That, you know, we're aware of you, love you, want to help you. And, and I thought I had a really concise dialed in message to him and I got a call back from him, but it wasn't the call that I wanted, Dale. He called mm-hmm. me cause we'd become friends. He's like, Jepson, why are you sending me generic automated email? And I'm like, What are you talking about, Chet? I'm like, dude, I wrote that for you. It's like bullshit. He goes, you did not write that for me. Someone wrote that and put your name on it because you would not write that to me. Yeah, so so how do you distill that down and know that you got it right? Because I think right now, those value props are changing. I think what might have been the value prop 120 days ago is maybe different now.
1: Definitely, And and I think that's the other problem that we don't, like, this whole thing has been changing so quickly. Like, technology and the world is changing so quickly that you have to constantly look at your value proposition and, and it's hard because marketing wants to put a stake in the ground and they want to run with it. And so do your sales guys. Like they want some consistency. The reality is we're in an inconsistent state. So you do have to to look through it. I would say in, in that particular situation you were talking about, I may send him actual physical mail to his house. Like, if you know the guy, Man, I do know like, him. Yeah. We're like buddies. I would just, I would send him something be like, dude, I, I know you're having tr- You're struggling. We're struggling too. Um, you know, is there a way that we can make this thing work? Like if you're that close to it um, I, I wouldn't. And then he would know it is really from you. Right. Cause then you can yeah. write a handwritten letter, <laughs> um, yep. you know, and there's a, I don't know. Do you know a guy named Stu Hankin?
0: I know do the you- name. But I don't know the guy.
1: He wrote a, he wrote a, a book, how to get a meeting with anybody. And he tried to, he, he was working the way he got some of his big meetings. This is back in the day. was he would write, he'd build these big cartoons and he would hand, you know, hand signs. really Yeah. It, cool. like you gotta look it up. He's a really cool guy. Um, cool. He's coming out with a new book, but I think what, I think what you need to do is make it super personalized. Like if that deal is super important to you, make it super personalized, hand write a note put a bottle of wine or whatever the heck, you know, whatever the guy likes or whatever is, is on the mind. And, and that way he can't, he can't um, point the finger that it's, it's automated.
0: Yeah. It was funny. He called me like, he called me. He was like, <laughs> you want to tell me why you're sending me automated marketing? You know, <laughs> I'm like, I didn't, man. I wrote that. He's like, yeah. there's yeah. no way you wrote that, man. And I went back and I said, what's wrong with this? Yeah. And, he, and he broke it. And I said, Cause I think that's the case. I get so much, the reason I think that most leaders aren't doing what you're saying is because I get so much bad messaging. Um, I get an email, I get it voicemail and, um, it, it, you know, and then I get people to get pissed off and I don't get back to them. And and I'm, I'm thinking my lack of response is actually my
1: response. Right. And I, but I think, you know, if people are selling you stuff, and so we've both been in this space for a long time, and you don't want to buy it. Like people just need to be honest. Like just say, I'm not interested and, and move on with life. And yeah. and so there's too many times in my sales process with my team where we're hanging out there, we're waiting, we're sending emails, we're asking, you know, intelligent questions and we're not getting responses. And and this is where I think the pendulum is swinging the other way where buyers are just being complete jerks. And so, you know, Yes you're busy everybody's busy but if i put if i put work into an rfp or i'm really trying to work through the process and you say you have a problem and this is where i really like what keenan says in gap selling is like okay you told me you have a problem you told me you want me to help you try to fix it and now you're totally ghosting me like what what's that about and so i actually think the buyers are are perpetuating the automated crap that's going out because no one's being honest with each other
0: that's that's fair
1: Right, so so I don't think got- it's all on sales. I don't think it's all on sales and I don't think it's all on the sales leader, but I do think we have to, I think we have to change up the narrative on both sides the buyers and the sellers.
0: So that's what I want to finish with. We got about, I don't know, 18 minutes left in our conversation and uh, it's gone fast. What I want to go back to is what you started with it, what you're on a mission. You're on a mission about this leader education and how you get them connected with sales people. I, I love that about you. Uh, Cause I have a similar mission. I, 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 my mission is about sales leaders as well. where do you see the disconnects? So this is a sales leadership podcast. You got a bunch of people listening. Where do you see the disconnects, especially in today's world with things being on its head? What are some things that leaders really ought to be thinking
1: about and making sure they get right? Yeah. um, You're going to love this. I think it's all about coaching. Um, I think it's totally all about coaching. And I think people have coaching all wrong as well because I mean, why I want to hear why? Yeah, I, I think they, So, and you and I have talked about this offline at times, but I I see it more and more. You go into one-on-ones and and it's like this forecasting meeting and it's like, no, you should have a forecasting meeting outside your one-on-ones. The the, the deal of a leader is to figure out what needs to be taken out of the salesperson's way. What blocks do they have? And I I have no problem talking about a deal in a one-on-one. But what I want to understand in the one-on-one is how we're going to strategically move the deal forward. Like of course, what yeah. do you need from me to help you move the deal forward? Is it, you need a sounding board? Cool. I'll be a sounding board. You need, Hey, I need help from engineering because I, they have a question that I don't know how to get answered. Like, let's get to that point. I don't want to talk about the the bits and bytes of it. And then what I've done recently, because I've, I felt like my one-on-ones haven't gone as, as productive as they should is I have each of my guys send me three bullet points before the one-on-one. And this is what we're going to talk about. So we have a mini agenda because it's only half an hour and like, let's get down to business. And so I think that's part of it. I also think that we need to find new angles. I think bad leaders right now, whether it's sales, CEOs, CEOs, I think they're getting super exposed. It's easy to be a good leader in good times yeah, damn hard to be a good leader in hard times where you oh. can continuously motivate people. You can continuously have a conversation where, where's the new angle? How can you find a new angle? So I was on the
0: phone with a, the, high, the senior most sales leader of one of the largest companies in the United States this morning. They're in that selling power, top companies to sell for. They're always in the top five every year. I I was on the phone with, with their guy that runs it all this morning. And you know, he, it was interesting. He said something that he quoted you, Dale. And, and uh, he said, man, we thought with our team of 3000 reps that we were figuring it out. We were doing okay. Blah, blah, blah. And when this hit, he's like, everybody got exposed. He said, the people that sucked at coaching, they could not hide now that it had to be done remote. And, uh, and he said, and, and now that our reps can't go do face to face calls with business owners, um, you know, we have to do it another way. And to your point, we have to find new angles, we have to find new mechanics. Uh, the leaders that are good at helping the reps improve are still having success helping reps improve. So but what we've learned is the majority of our frontline managers aren't and he said, Rob, we're screwed. It's like we are in deep trouble right now. For me, that was that was turning into an opportunity for us, obviously. But yep. um, I, that's what I'm seeing is leaders are realizing now that it's a harder time, and the old dogs that have resisted new tricks. I don't care if you're old dog, medium dog, or brand new dog. Tricks from 120 days ago
1: don't work anymore. Yeah, and, and so just 120 days ago, people have been trying to put it from 120 months ago. Yeah, 120 days ago. Like, <laughs> You know, and, and it's not just the sales leaders but it's also the sales people. Like, you know, and that's why you get the automation. That's why you get like, you know, people are measuring on activity and these KPIs are just ridiculous. It's like, I, I would rather have one good meeting than a hundred crappy meetings. Amen, so, brother. It's like, I, I we just have to think about the world a little differently. And, and here's the good news. Here's the good news for everybody. So for all your listeners, here's the good news. We've been through this before, like Y2K, like you know, nine eleven, like the financial crisis. Like I was at Fair Isaac Corporation. Now they're a, they're a, they're a wow. firm that is all at the banking world, right? Yep. And and all my, my customers were Bank of America, HSBC, JP Morgan Chase, Um, uh, I'm forgetting a couple of them, but, and they just, the whole financial system collapsed. And like, I'm sitting there, like, these are all of my customers. Like, what do I do? Like my my livelihood is based on this. And so you got to think about it a little bit differently and you got to find the angles. There's always angles. There's always different ways to, to look at things. Like if people don't get their heads out of their butts and see COVID as an opportunity versus yes. a challenge, then they're going like, to, they're going to get exposed.
0: So I want to stay where you are. So you talked about ways that coaching is broken. So let's
1: talk about the opposite
0: what you know what are you seeing that makes coaching be successful
1: active listening um really being involved i i think people get on these one on ones and it, and it's a little bit harder now right cuz zoom you're always have your video on so are is the person looking into the camera are they really listening to you are they looking at their phone are they, like leaders i don't think are engaged in the conversation and so I think you need to have people that are actually engaged in that conversation to make it successful and then come out of something with an action item. So um, if you don't have action items to execute, so you can bring me questions you know, on, on Monday and our next one on one the following Monday, like, did I get done what I needed to get done for you? And did you get done what you needed to get done for me? Like, like put a list together and start checking it off and get the, get the actions done.
0: Yeah, I was just talking to Kevin Dorsey uh, a week ago, and we were talking about this very thing, kind of what you said your mission is. I think the reason it's, it's so broke, uh, Dale, and I want to know what you think about this, is you get promoted to be a leader, and you're told, congratulations, you're now sales manager. Congratulations, you're now sales director. Congratulations, you're now VP. Congratulations, you're now SVP. And, and they say, now here's your number. Don't miss it. Yep. Pretty much that's what you're told. At least in my experience, it sounds like that was your experience too. And, and you don't have a place to go to say, how do I learn how to be an effective manager? And I, I would say change the manager, how to be an effective leader of, of these people. And is there anything that you would say, if there's one thing that you got to get right? I've liked everything you said. I've taken tons of notes. I'm burning up notes here. My my man, it's, <laughs> it's going crazy. Okay. And I've got your active listening and I've got being present and all those kinds of things. Is, is there any one or two, three things that you found like, these are the catalysts that when it's done right, coaching works. And when it's not done right, coaching kind of flounders.
1: Um, I would say the, the one thing is be consistent on your coaching. When um, you say consistent,
0: what do you mean? Because that, that could have a couple of impl- implications.
1: Yeah. I just think, you know, make sure that you're like, if you're going to have a meeting, just like I used to have leaders that would have meetings and, blow them off all the time like oh I'm too busy or and then that just sets bad precedents. like if you're going to have one-on-one have them consistently just like you would write content for LinkedIn or you would anything you do you have to have a consistent repetitive basis where people can expect what's going to happen and people only I find that salespeople only do things that are measurable that you're going to measure to and you're going to execute on and so make them consistent, make sure you're having them on a weekly basis. You're not blowing them off all the time and rescheduling or i got to put it, it's going to happen. Like you're going to have it once in a while, but don't make that consistent. And then, and then you take responsibility. Like as a leader, we're only there as like, I, this is, I truly feel this way. No one works for me. I work for everybody else. And so if you look at it from that perspective, If I need to get something done, like if I need to get something with engineering or with the CEO, like I got to go do it and I got to report back to the person. And so So, I find that 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 will help your coaching tremendously because you'll earn the trust of your, your rep.
0: I'm glad you said consistency because I found the same thing. Consistency, lack of consistency is the number one reason that it fails. And for me, it's frequency like you said, always do it. But the other one is focus. Like we're going to talk about things in a consistent way. It's not going to be flavor of the month. Yep. And um, so let me ask you this, and this is one I'm really interested to get your take on. So what, what do you think the, the role of coaching is? Like if you, if we were to say, why are we doing this? Why are, well, what's, what's the role of coaching? Why does it matter? Why is it so important to you? Because I found there's a lot of interpretations of what coaching's about. So since you have it so high on your list, I'm really interested in what you think the
1: role of it is. I think the role of coaching is to get a little bit better every time. Um, Say that again,
0: because you're dead on, dude.
1: I know you're right on with that. I, I think it's just getting a little bit better every time. Like If you get to a point where you have to coach somebody that they have to make this much like like you you can't see me on video but a huge change versus like incremental changes like when it gets to a point where you're you have to make such a monumental shift in a change that's where people get on performance plans that's where pips happen like all this stuff's happening so if you just get a little bit better each time that you have a coaching session it will, you will raise the entire organization. People have to remember in the sales world or in the entire organization, we are the tip of the spear and we have to make it happen. Like if we don't make it happen, no one else has jobs. And so, and I know everyone else's job is important. Like I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, we need to make sure that we're driving the tip into that, that conversation. And so as a coach, that makes my, my responsibility to make my team that much better every time we have a conversation.
0: So who needs coaching then? So given that's the role of coaching, do you reserve the right that some people don't get it? Or does every rep get it? Every rep gets it.
1: Every rep gets it. And if they, if they don't want it, then they shouldn't be my organization.
0: Bam. That's a sound drop right there, man. I'm I'm telling you, I, I, uh, I think that's a big deal. One of the questions I get a lot right now, I don't know why it's come up. It used to happen a lot. And then it went away. Now it's back. You know, do I have to coach high performers? What are your yeah, thoughts on coaching? You. Yeah, that's tell what you. I say. Yeah, tell me why uh, you say my, that.
1: My my best performer, and but the coaching is different. So I think I think where people get sidetracked is they think coaching is like you got to do the same thing for everybody. No, I all my reps are different. And if you only coach that way, like if you say coaching has to be this way for every rep, you're gonna fail. My highest performing rep, I coach them totally differently. It's not. I don't have a one on one on the calendar every week, but. We talk on a weekly basis. He'll, he'll reach out and he'll say, hey, I need help on this. And like the coaching is just a, different, it's just a different process with him.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really big point. And I'm glad you pulled it out. I, I love this, Dale. I, I mean, I, I already knew that I saw a lot of the world the way you did. And I liked the way you ran your team and have run your career so far. But hearing you talk like this, it's a big deal because I have a lot of people that think coaching is about going from something that's broke to something that's not broke. I had one person say, you know, we're going to coach to the lowest form of broken behavior. And um, it's not. That's, what,
1: that's what's broken in our school system. Like yeah. we, we coach, like we work with all the kids that are like underperforming. Like what about, you know, and then we we put a lot of people on pedestals that are overperforming, but then you have this whole group that's in the middle that really are your, like they're your next stars. They're your next generation of salespeople. Like, yes, you, you're you going to coach your your top performers the people that gets lost in this whole mix is, is the people in the middle. And, and those are like maybe your B players that are going to be your A players or they're going to follow the C players. Like, yeah. I,
0: I think that it's exactly what you said. The goal, the role of coaching, I wrote it down, and it's, it's something that everybody needs to hear, is to help everyone get a little bit better no matter where you are. Anything plus one is better than where you were. So if it's your star performer, let's get it plus one. If it's your middle of the road performer, let's get it plus one to your bottom. So I always say this to our customers and the people who I talk to either exploit customers or my private coaching customers or my micro community. And while well, we're almost out of time, we probably going to get a talk We'll have to have you on again for micro communities. Cause I yep. know you got thoughts about it. And I like your yep. thoughts on it. Um, my goal is to say this, you know, Dale, your SVP of sales for North America. What's your plan to help every rep on your team get at least 10% better this year. And if every rep on the team gets 10% better, if the stars get 10% better and the newbies get 10% better you'll get way more than 10% growth. And so that's the way I look at it is what's our job. And if we can't help people get predictably better, then you don't need me. You you know, you don't need me.
1: In fact, I I would go a step further. Like I need coaching. Like, so the coach needs coaching. And so I think that's where, I think that's where everyone is, is missing. Like, you know, ment like I have a a coach, I have a mentor. I, you know, talk to multiple people. Like I, I, no one's immune from it. So,
0: I'm the same. I have people that help me. So listen, we got, we only have a couple of minutes and I want to finish with the rapid fire. I'm sorry. We didn't get into everything, but we got into some good things. So I finished it with uh, three questions, the same for everyone. And we got like three, four minutes here. So this would be perfect. Uh, You ready? Let's go. Okay. Biggest sales leadership challenge you see today. And how do you fix it?
1: Hiring um, for sure, because I think it's just so costly. And I think um, one of the ways I've been able to, well, I think micro communities is my newest thing that I'm tasting and testing. Cause I think um, it's hard when you're hiring salespeople, if you can't actually see what they're doing, because I think salespeople are good at the interview process, but you got to figure out what they're doing. So I'm tasting micro communities. And then the other part of it is I really like Mark Roberts' book, the sales acceleration formula, they yep. have a sales hire um, scorecard. And so can we make it statistically relevant? Um, so love it. those, that's good. I think you're right. Getting, if you build good teams,
0: you're going to have a lot better success than if you, if you don't. And, Absolutely. And great leaders get really good at hiring. And, and yep. average ones always kind of struggle with it. So I like that. Number two, um, when you are hiring, since you went there, uh, mm-hmm. and this is a fan favorite, when you're hiring members of your team, do you have a favorite interview question or interview topic? And if so, what
1: is it you're looking for when you ask it? So you're going to like this one. Um, It's not necessarily a question because I think interview questions are, uh, everyone has their own flavor. Um, So I I spoke about Mark Roberge's uh, hiring scorecard. So I pick five traits that I want in a, in a salesperson. And one of them is coachability. And so how I test for coachability. So the trick is how do you test for these things on a consistent basis? And so the way I test for coachability, because I know I'll have multiple interviews with somebody if I'm going to hire them. Yep. So I will say something in one of my interviews with them that will be a critique or uh, 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 something that I would like them to change. And then in the next conversation or near the end, I'll test them to see if they've actually made that change that I suggested. And if they don't, they fail that, that part of the, the test.
0: So for you reps out there that are listening, that are getting ready for your next interview with Dale, you now know what to be ready for, right? So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like that, Dale. It's good. So it's not like as simple as saying, "Hey, tell me, you know, when coaching helped you," which I hear a lot. It's you're going to actually give them something, and you're going to see if they implement it without being told to. I love it. That's a really good one. Okay, last one. We found that readers are leaders. Leaders are readers. I got that backwards. Leaders are very often readers. And for the listeners that are looking to continue to accelerate their leadership career, is there any books or, you know, I don't care if it's pages that you turn or audibles you listen to, or if you want bite-sized chunks, yeah. if, if it's b- uh, blogs or podcasts, anything you'd recommend that they, they participate yeah, So in? I
1: already told you one with Mark Roberts and stuff, yeah. but, um, uh, a mentor of mine and, and a coach that I work with is a guy named Dwayne Cummings. He, him and I were the one that were talking about that push-pull strategy. Oh, cool! Um, and his—he's got two books out. One, the first book is um, *The Sensational Salesman*, and the second book is *The Sensational Sales Leader*. Um, really good books, um, super Love digestible. Um, part on real life, part on, and I and I think any salesperson should read the sensational salesman. And I think I'm, you know, reading through the sensational leader now and, and he's just a big inspiration to me. And I think, um, there are books that I don't see mentioned in a lot of different places. So I wanted to kind of bring something to I love care.
0: it. Those are both new ones. Uh, predictable revenue people have said, but that one, both of those ones are new. So listen, we are definitely out of time. I know we both got to bounce. Listen, yeah. how do people get more of you? If they, they're going to have people that like what you have to say, they're going to have people that connect to your mission to, wanting to help sales leaders connect with sales people. How do they connect with you? How do they get more from you? How do they learn more about what you're doing? How do do they pull that off?
1: Yeah. So I, uh, and just starting back up my, uh, my blog. So the sales change agent um, is a blog that I have. It's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, You can also LinkedIn, um, which is also connected to the website or or Twitter. So all of those.
0: We're going to have to ask you to have one of those blogs, uh, be a guest, guest author in our newsletter, man. Absolutely. man. Okay. All right, Dale Zwinski, helping reps find new angles, helping every member of that team get just a little bit better every single time, does it by connecting the dots between leader and rep through coaching. He is the SVP of North American Sales for Smart Action, a heck of a good guy, and someone you absolutely want to follow if you want to advance your career. Dale, thank you so much for joining us, and happy selling, my friend.
1: Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate it. I look forward to uh, coming back. Hey everyone, and welcome to another So What
0: portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first I wanna point out that we are finishing the summer and we are gearing up for that year-end push. In addition, people are starting to look forward to the 2021 campaign, and we know that this year-end and going into next year is gonna be different. Different selling situations, different selling skills, different sales mechanics, Dale said it on this show, the sales world is on his head, and he he is right. And that's why I've turned my attention to building the Jepson Performance Group. I'm doing what I love, working with sales leaders in three areas, mindset, skill set, and performance. And as you prepare for what will most certainly be a new environment, each sales leader is going to have to adapt. And with that, I want to share with you that I'm here for you, whether it's by joining my Patreon group, Sales Leadership United, by providing fast track training for newer, younger managers, or even creating custom executive coaching programs, I wanna help you create as much impact as possible with the people you lead. If you wanna connect and discuss your one-on-one strategies, hit me up. I get three to five requests for this each week. And if you've thought about having that conversation, stop thinking about it and just hit me up. I look forward to these conversations and I look forward to having this chat with you as well. So if you wanna be legendary, reach out. How you lead matters, and let me help you navigate that sales leadership maze. Now, that conversation with Dale was money. Seriously, it was fantastic. I'm a huge fan of his work as a sales leader, and I hope you were able to see why. There were tons of nuggets in that conversation, but what I really want to focus on is his idea that bad leaders are really being exposed right now. I think he's right okay i think it's something that we all need to be thinking about i'm hearing this very same story from a lot of different sources uh, like i shared on this episode i think it's something that if you're not thinking about you need to spend some cycles on you know that story the emperor's clothes it came to mind as i was listening to him and then it came again as i went back and listened to what he had to say And if you don't know what i'm talking about Go look it up and read it. It's a a children's story, and I think you'll find out why. You need to ask yourself, are your clothes on or are your clothes off? Are you exposed or are you good? Um, And and be really honest when you look at that. I, I, I liked the concept that winning covers a lot of sins. And when the winning slowed down, it's much easier to see where the gaps are, particularly in terms of mindset and skill sets, of the best leaders, you know, because the ones that get those two things right, it fuels performance. And other people that are just managing the numbers, they don't know what to do next. And so I think the thing that we should actively be spending energy around is something that Dale really honed in on. He said, How do I help every single member of my team get just a little bit better each week? Just a little bit better every time we connect. And I think that's what leadership is, helping people improve, helping people achieve in ways that matter to them. So drop the word manager from your vocabulary as you think about your team and replace it with the term leader. Nobody wakes in mo- up in the morning wanting to be managed, but everyone gets excited about being led in ways they care about. So do you have a unique plan to help each member of your team improve? You know, take, a, take a note from Dale and don't say you don't have time don't say they don't need it don't say that you'll get there you know when other stuff gets done don't say it's really tough to have a unique one-on-one structure for each rep because it is hard to do but some people are doing it and if someone can do it you can do it you heard it from Dale and I'm gonna echo it here you need to provide coaching for every single person on your team and a very common question I'm getting right now is Rob how do you coach the stars I won't get into how you do that I've talked about that in other places if you really want to have the conversation, hit me up and I'm happy to have it. It's a really fun one for me to have. But what I want to emphasize is that you shouldn't be selective about who gets one-on-ones. Every single member of your team needs one-on-ones. Some people will need mindset help. Others will need skill set help. Even others are going to need you to help see through the fog that hits every single salesperson from time to time. So you should take the role of being this lighthouse, be the lighthouse from each member of your team. Help them land in places they care about, and you'll forever be legendary in the story of their career. Dale, I want to thank you for joining us. My man, you're a stud. You're a beast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't already, connect with Dale and follow his content. You'll be glad you did. And to each of you, our listeners, thank you. The support for the show just really fuels me. It always astounds me. Uh, I, I, I appreciate the, the reviews that I continue to get on iTunes. I appreciate just every week on LinkedIn, people sharing the, the show, and, and it just drives the growth. And so I want to keep my offer to you, our listeners. If, if you, if you want to have someone to talk about the one-on-one with, please reach out. If you thought about hitting me up and you're not sure, stop thinking about it. Just shoot me a message. It's a no-strings-attached offer, and I really want to help as many leaders as I can. And you'll find very quickly, it's not like, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I I really want to help. So here's to helping each rep just get just a little better every time you engage with them. Dale has identified this as one of the non-negotiables for each sales leader. Build individual plans for each individual, and you will be blown away by just how fast the change happens. I promise you. It's happened with me. It's happened with hundreds of people that I've worked with. And it will happen with you and your team if you let it. Okay. I wish each of you success in connecting with each member on your team. Uh, I wish you a terrific week. And as always, thanks for listening. And don't worry, just execute because we got you.